citizen detectives, you all are beautiful in the eyes of our Lord. Get Caligula, turn up the volume. You all won't be hungry for much longer. I'm Trey. (laughs) And I'm Kelsey. Thanks for listening. This is the Extra Credits Podcast, hosted by two teachers, and that is our day job, but we're just two people having fun, reviewing movies and shows. Uh, Trey teaches social studies, so world history and government. Accurate. Yes. And I teach English and woman studies. So we spend a lot of our day thinking and talking about like these themes that show up in movies and shows. And today we will be breaking down yellow jackets. Let's go. So pumped. And we're going to be using some school themed categories to give awards to this show. So like, for example, valedictorian, who deserves the top spot in this show? Or what's going in the yearbook? Like, what are the biggest memories we're going to have of this show? And at the end, we will tell you whether we think this show deserves extra credit. All right, let's do it. So, Trey, first tell us, do people like this show? Yeah, let's jump in. They do like like this show. They love this show. I think there's, ironically, uh, kind of a cult following already to this show. It is, I think for people who haven't checked it out yet, a very, very exciting story that has been told before, but in a different way where we have a group of women uh, as opposed to uh, a group of boys that would normally be told in this story. What What is the story that the boys are in? Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. So, so like you're talking about stranded stories have been done before, like right. lost. Yes. And so Yellow Jackets is basically a, uh, a kind of like a modern take sort of on Lord of the Flies and other stories that we'll get into. So quickly for the non-spoiler crowd, whoever has not seen this show and you're just tuning in to see if you want to watch it or not, this show is a survival epic. It's a psychological horror story. It's a coming of age drama, even some comedic elements. It is amazing. The show is sick. It's set in the 90s, but it also comes back to the modern uh, era of like 2021, at least last year, 2021. And you can feel this show... uh, in its time when it's in the nineties, you can really feel like you're there in the nineties. So it's really, really cool for uh, different generations. I think the show is made for gen Xers, but it definitely does not leave out millennials, especially young millennials. And I think even kind of this new generation of gen Z would even be into this because they're kind of uh, romanticizing the nineties. And there's a lot of that in here. Uh, so if you're not sold yet, the creators of the show basically said when go- making the show that they wanted to create a story that was a metaphor for teenage hierarchy. And that's something that everybody can relate to for the most part. And they're trying to deconstruct the principles of that hierarchy, which is basically a flex. Um, that's a, that's quite a move. And the showrunners are, or sorry, the writers. Yeah. Showrunners, they're, writers. Yeah. Okay. They're married. Too. Yeah. They're married, which is really, really cool. I yeah. mean, shout out the married people who are succeeding together, thriving together. Okay, so let's go on to uh, how to watch this show if you have not yet. If you don't have Showtime, which is where Yellow Jackets is, here's our advice. Figure it out. And I'm going to try to help you get there. Uh, this show is supposed to be on HBO, but I think they said no because they have a few different shows that are kind of like this. Um, so what we have here is Showtime uh, instead. And if you don't know how to get Showtime, you can watch a free episode uh, through Pluto TV or the Roku channel. I think it gives you one ep- free episode with ads. And then you can sign up uh, on Showtime's channel for a 30-day free trial and pay $10.99 for that price if you want to keep past that 30-day trial. 
so guys, just to be as real as possible, just jump on that showtime, sign up, make us subscribe for the free month. Take advantage of your trial. Right. Stream this show. If you go past the month, showtime's got some good stuff. There's like billions and other stuff going on. And I think after this show, you're going to really probably want to keep your showtime channel to be back for another season. So uh, definitely check it out. So we're going to get on to spoilers in a second. Kelsey's going to give us a breakdown. So if you're here for the non-spoiler crowd, hopefully we've given you some interest. Hopefully you're intrigued to go watch this show. If you're jumping out, we'd appreciate the rating on Spotify or Apple or anywhere you get your podcast. So peace out to the non-spoiler group. Now onto the real ones, our citizen detectives. Spoiler ready. Let's do it. Let's do it, Kels. Give us an episode breakdown before we jump into our categories. All right. Awesome. So I love doing this because I think when I watch shows and especially shows that have cool time jumps like this, I forget all of the awesome things that happened. And also I think it's really interesting to think about like when they happen too. So let's give you a breakdown. Okay. We have our episode one pilot. So this is opening with the girl running in the wilderness. We'll have our takes of who that is later. Okay. Getting killed. And then we have the reporter who's asking the community about the New Jersey high school girl soccer team that crashed for their nationals flight. So like what happened there? And we get the principal right interview and community members. And then we flash back and forth between pre-crash and 25 years post-crash, Taisa, Shauna, and Natalie. So Taisa goes from breaking a freshman shin. That to, was rough. Oh my God. Yeah. To present day running for Senate. Shauna goes from sleeping with Jackie's boyfriend to still sleeping with Jackie's boyfriend, <laughs> but is now just married with a suburban mom life, killing rabbits and Natalie's in recovery. Quite an intro. Um, yes. So then F sharp is episode two. Well, before we jump in episode two, I just want to oh, make okay. a quick note back to that married couple. That's Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson, who have been very vocal on kind of advertising the show on many different streaming sites. Uh, they've been known for writing Narcos and the originals two famous shows. Um, and now they've written Yellow Jackets and they've written uh, the whole season out and they've hired other writers to write other episodes along the way. But they did write the first episode, which is sick. Like I said, shout out to the married folks succeeding together. So they wrote a few episodes and they also tried to find the right directors for this show. So this director of episode one is, I'm not going to name every director of every episode, but this felt it was notable. Karen Kusama, I believe her last name is. She directed Jennifer's Body. If you remember that freaky I've movie not seen it. with Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried, that is quite the movie. Uh, and then a better film that Kelsey, I don't think you've seen, but I love called The Invitation. And for all the film heads out there, that's with Logan Marshall Green. Kelsey, you know him from Prometheus. That's Tom Hardy B. Version. Okay. I Well, okay. I haven't seen that movie, but I think you'll figure out throughout this podcast, I'm not a horror fan. Yes. Um, and I don't know if that's like a horror movie necessarily, like maybe suspense, but... It's definitely a psychological thriller. Yeah. Like that. those things make me not be able to sleep at night. And so you have told me the plot and ending of that movie. I just had, I haven't I, seen it. I had to give a shout out. Yeah, I know. I had to give a shout out to the writers, the creators, Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson, but I also want to do it for Karen Kusama just because the invitation is so good. So they picked a perfect director to start off the season. Okay, you can continue. Okay, cool. Okay, so right, we have those flashbacks, episode one, episode two, F sharp. We open with the plane crash. Misty is breaking the box that is transmitting their location. Then we come to present day, right? Shauna rear ends Adam. The team receives postcards with the witch symbol is what I'm going to call it. Questions about Thaisa's kids seeing the bad one. Misty and Nat are going on a road trip to see Travis and listen to some 
probably bad show tunes, um, Broadway show tunes <laughs> and episode three dollhouse. We have the wilderness team is rationing food, decides to leave the crash site, finds a creepy cabin present day. Taisa finds a baby doll with missing eyes downstairs. Is that maybe why it's called dollhouse? I don't know. Also kind of, uh, alluding to the man with no eyes. That baby okay, no We'll eyes. talk about that later. Yeah. So scary. Yeah, Travis is dead. Was he murdered? Was it a suicide question mark? Adam and Shauna do it. Episode four, bear down. Natalie's episode. Love this episode. Wilderness. We have a gun competition. They're deciding who's going to hunt. That was cool. Natalie and Travis win. And we also have pre crash nineties. Natalie's episode of her abusive dad and just a, a great backstory. And then we have present day cop Kevin and Natalie date. Shauna and Adam relive her wishful high school experiences. Nice. And episode five, blood hive. Wilderness. Everyone has their periods, but Shauna fakes hers. Obviously Shauna tells Jackie she needs to start pulling her weight because people are noticing we have the seance. So Lottie is speaking French and the group thinks she might be possessed. Is that when she hits her head on the glass? Yes, that was crazy. Yeah, that was a great scene. And then we have present day Nat and Misty find candle marks suggesting that the cult killed Travis. Taisa sleepwalking and wrote in blood on her own window. And I think maybe you, you all can correct us if we're wrong, but I think it said spill. I think that's right. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's okay. right. So episode six, so this is Lottie's episode, right? It opens with Lottie's parents asking her, like, do, do we need to find help for her or can she see the future? Right. And Lottie and Laura Lee link up for a baptism. And we have that scary Lottie basement in hell scene. Oh my terrifying. God. <laughs> um, which also had a scene that uh, like if you've seen station 11 weirdly like similar um, uh, set, but anyway. Um, okay. Present day, Nat, Shauna and Ty are blackmailed with a text for 50,000. Shauna goes to Jackie's parents for her birthday and they're like, Oh yeah, we cheated on your daughter. <laughs> Misty goes full wild and kidnaps the journalist. Okay. Pause real quick. This okay. episode is pretty crazy. The beginning of episode six and saints with kind of being Lottie's episode and this weird dream sequence. Is that correct? Where she's in the basement and she's kind of going through that weird, the weird stairs and there's all those candles. Yeah. It looked like kind of like the steel basement or like when I was saying station 11, like, Oh yeah. Spaceship is what oh, I meant. Yeah. That is what that looks like. Well, that, that, uh, scene when I was doing my prep for this, so research, station 11 in hell. St- well, that sounds like a <laughs> show in itself, but, uh, when I was doing my prep for this, I saw that the director was Billy Woodruff and he had only done, which wasn't, he was not familiar to me, um, but he'd only done this one episode and I went into his backstory and he's only directed one movie, I believe, which uh, was Honey starring Jennifer Lopez in like 2003. I think that's what the movie was called. Anyways, so he's famous for directing music videos and he directed, he's basically the most famous 90s early 2000s music director. Interesting. So that scene feels a lot like a music video. If you kind of look at it from that, if you put some music on that scene, yeah. it kind of does feel like in the late 90s, early 2000s. Like he's done like Tony Braxton, the Backstreet Boys, Usher, Nelly, Britney Spears, Celine Dion. Like he's done a lot of different people, even Miranda Cosgrove when music video stopped being cool. So like <laughs> he's done a lot of different people. I just had to note that because that's that scene specifically felt like a really kind of early 2000s music video, which was cool. Interesting. Okay, cool. 
All right. So then we have episode seven. All right. And there's only 10 episodes in this. So we're really getting towards the end. Like they're trying to deliver us all these like questions and things that we've been waiting for. So episode seven, no compass in the wilderness. Ty takes, um, the group, right? She's like, Hey, I'm going to search for civilization. Who's with me. Also, does anybody like dirt? Yes. And they get attacked by wolves while Ty sleepwalking. Uh, and Lottie, by the way, how did she get that far up the tree? <laughs> like, that's pretty crazy. Um, but Lottie predicted, right, the Red River laying crumbs for this cult. Jackie now knows Shauna's pregnant. We have present day Nat, Shauna, and Ty uh, making the drop of the underwhelming stack of $50,000 by Shauna's like heist movie standards. Shauna lets Adam in her house. So why would you do that? Shauna nuts not ruins things with cop. Kevin sad days. Episode eight flight of the bumblebees wilderness. Laura Lee goes for it. Tries to fly out of there. Combusts. They somehow perform surgery on van and then present day. Uh, we have Ty is staying at Shauna's right because she's afraid she's going to sleepwalk or hurt her family. And Shauna kills Adam because of the glitter clues. Episode nine. Rip Adam. Doom's coming or doom coming. Wilderness. Girls have a homecoming with berry juice like alcohol and unexpected mushrooms from Misty. Girls have their first almost kill at uh, doom coming. Travis. Yep. And Javi's missing. And Lottie is antler queen. Present day plot twist. Jeff is glitter man. Blackmailing Come on, Jeff. Them. I know. Come on, Jeff. Um, really messed up. Like your wife's trauma. <laughs> that episode is seriously crazy. I w- this show really not to not to kind of go on a tangent here, but just quickly, this show really makes you think like, could I make it in this scenario? And I realized very quickly when they all eat mushrooms because I don't like mushrooms. I would have been the only person not on shrooms there, and I think I would have. You'd be like Jackie. You would be I, like, I don't like to yeah, eat. Yeah, I would have died outside. In I don't the cold. like the taste of mushrooms. And so you would just be Travis, maybe. I All guess right. So. so, episode 10. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Sick Transit Gloria Mundi. I think that's what Sick it is. Sick Transit Gloria Mundi. We do not have any Catholic backgrounds in this yes. household. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to tell the people what that means? Sure. Yeah. This is usually um, what is said when there is a new Pope. Uh, and I think it believes, I think it, it means thus passes the glory of the world in Latin and is also uh, in a, it's a name of a song from a band, which basically in that, in that song, there's a chorus line that is said quite consistently. That's die young and save yourself. So if you kind of look at this and I think it's an early 2000 song. So if you kind of look at that title as, kind of passing the power of the torch off to Lottie while simultaneously saying that these people are, your lives are going to suck now that you've had this like trauma happen to you. Your PTSD is going to be overwhelming. You might as well die young and save yourself. There's a lot of kind of interesting themes and throughout this episode based off the title. Oh, interesting. Okay. So we have for episode 10, last episode, present day 25th high school reunion. Shauna tells Nat and Taisa that Adam was blackmailing them, right? Because she killed Adam and wants to, to cover it up. And Misty comes to help dispose of the body wilderness. Lottie kills a bear, a whole bear. Jackie tells the group Shauna slept with Jeff and to get the F out of the cabin. Shauna tells Jackie she peaked in high school and Jackie freezes to death. Natalie is holding a gun uh, to her head in present day and people then kidnap her in a full, you know, their gray sweatsuit uh, get up. 
Ty's wife finds the shrine in the laundry room. Oh my God. In the basement. And that is it for the recap. We're going to get into a lot of that. <laughs> oh my God. So much. Happened. And just to top off the recap, if for whatever reason you're like, dang, this episode 10, this seems a little bit more wild than everything else we've seen. The director Eduardo Sanchez directed Blair Witch Project in the 90s and also directed VHS 2 and for the real horror, pe- horror no people way, out there. I did not know that. Yeah, that's a this is a real director. I mean, he has also done American Horror Story episodes like he he's a real one when it comes to horror directors. So he did a great job, especially in that scene where the wife finds the dog and the heart and all that stuff. Um, Baby doll. Yeah. Okay. So one question for you, Kels, before we jump into these categories, uh, probably the most important question of this podcast and maybe for the listeners, you've been wondering this too, uh, because we've kind of been left with our own thoughts at the end of season one. What do you think is going on in this show? Is it about the effects of trauma and then PTSD that comes after that and how that all changes us a little bit. And the show is doing a great job of giving us kind of a heightened example of that to kind of prove its point that PTSD is serious and we should treat it seriously. Or is it like more supernatural? And I think that there's kind of like some obvious, uh, messaging from the directors and screenwriters that they're trying to say that Lottie maybe has some kind of superpower or has some kind of like higher power in her that might be uh, satanic even where she can kind of control bears and know what's going to happen to people very soon or is it like maybe a mix like what do you what do you think okay so I think I was going back and forth between this just trying to figure out like what is the show about um, while we were watching and so I love that question. And I also listened to an interview with the showrunners and they were talking about how they basically wanted to play between like interior and exterior threats. And they wanted the audience to like participate in this like paranoia that the characters are having so that both exterior and interior threats like could be true um, because like everything is then a threat and it could either help you or hurt you. Um, but I don't think I still, I don't think that the show is supernatural. Like, I think that it's just a representation of like the real external threats that are there. Um, but then become like internal for the characters. But I do think that there is like evidence. I do think there's evidence for people who are like this. There are supernatural elements. So I think the first thing that like is maybe the strongest evidence Um, is that when the team, like, you know, they leave the crash site, they're going to go find water and they look up on the hill. Do you remember there was like a blue shimmering light where they're going to find the cabin in the plane? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That was my first time when I was like, okay, is this like a supernatural, you know, show? Like, is there something on the Island? And then second, we have like the seance, right? And is Lottie off her medication? Yes. Like, are there other reasons that Lottie knows French? Yes, probably. Right. (laughs) Which by the way, a great relatable high school scene with Jackie, like trying to translate, like only knowing greeting phrases and food. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. Relatable. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, what, what language did you take in high school? Uh, I, well, if you want to count it, I did three years of Spanish, but I I took English. That's what I (laughs) I wish Duolingo was around. Um, all right. So, but great scene there, but there was a part where I was like, is this supernatural? Like when the window blows open and it kind of like brought me back to that feeling when I was a kid, you know, and like someone's trying to like scare you at the sleepover with a scary story. And you like know you're kind of like logical truth, even as a kid. And you're like, okay, this is just a coincidence. This is just a coincidence. But then when you go to sleep 
and everyone turns the lights off. You're like, there is a ghost in this room. Like I'm believing my emotional truth. Absolutely. Yes. If you hang something on your door and you go to sleep at night and it looks like there's like a man in your room, that is definitely something I think all people have gone through <laughs> at least once. Yes. And so, okay. And then the other thing is that when the girls are on mushrooms, right? Someone's digging in the dirt and there's like a shimmer. Um, do you remember in the dirt? I think so. There was, but okay. so I, I do, I think that there was like this searching for supernatural elements in the show. Like we were given clues. So I don't think that it's not there, but I think it has a lot to do with us. Like the reason we're asking this question is because how we're introduced to the girls, like in the wilderness, it feels like the, the girls are not chasing that one girl who's running. It feels like it's the it that is like chasing that that girl, like how mm-hmm. Lottie says, like it didn't want the pilot to leave. Like, and we see these witchy figurines and like these charms, like the sticks and the trees. Right. So like from the beginning, I think we're it's basically, like demonic spirit. yeah, like we're yeah. basically given this like unreliable emotional driven sense to like feel like there's something more here. Like, I think that's why I was looking for it the whole time. For sure. I think the show is what you're talking about really in terms of a purpose of a screenwriter is trying to subvert expectations. Like that's what they're definitely doing. They're trying to make sure that the audience is expecting that there's something supernatural going on. And then we all create theories around that. And it seems pretty clear that we're probably wrong and it's something that's right on in front of us. Well, yeah. So like I, I won't rule it out that they might still like go that way. Like it's possible. Okay. But I think what I love more is this theme. Like I think we've talked about the Lord of the flies, right? Um, this theme that kind of mirrors the Lord of the flies. So I actually don't teach that book full disclosure. And it's been a while since I spark noted it in high school. Um, I read parts of it, but um, basically there's a part in it though, um, where it talks about the beast being inside of you, like for the little boys. Okay. Interesting. Um, And it's not something that you can hunt or kill. So like this kid, um, he thinks he's talking to the beast and beast. And it says like, I'm a part of you. Like, didn't you know? Ooh. Yeah. And so like, I really like that symbol that all the woman like this kind of marking or whatever it was that they received on their postcards is like not a like, you know, supernatural symbol. It's like a symbol of what they're capable of and like their trauma. I like that. And so like, it also might be all like how they kind of really early on betrayed this like romanticized image that a lot of us get the privilege to have in high school, like create who we thought we were going to be. So it's like when I see my Facebook statuses from 2009. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> Which symbol. Yeah. Um, and like, they don't get that. They just get to survive, you know? So I think especially like when we're flashing forward in the present, right? Like we have a theme of PTSD, um, in the present day, but it is also like a fictional story, right? So we do get to zoom out and look at the lives of that the girls have on the crash, right? We get this information that, no one else gets in their present day lives. And I think it kind of like explores what people are capable of, right? Like we're flashing back to the crash site and we're seeing like the beast in them, right? Or at least like the beast coming out and which sounds like I'm maybe individually judging them. Like, I don't know what I would do out there. I don't think, I hope I wouldn't eat anyone. I don't think I would. Um, We'll get into that. But (laughs) I think it's cool because it's like more of a collective beast. Like it's like asking like, what do we follow when we're scared? You know, like I think that's the cooler question that's being thrown out in the show. Right. And I think it's also kind of going off that 
and what I think it's about, I'm, I'm more leaning toward, I don't want to be absolute about it, but I'm leaning toward the idea that this, the showrunners really want us to think this is supernatural and, it, and it's not going to be. And we're going to get into a lot of these stuff. I think they want us to really buy into this time, like on our Reddit pages of Yellow Jackets and on Twitter, thinking about who's going to be cast as Lottie in the second season and her as this kind of like this this queen in the wilderness like i think that they're really going to play into that and i just think we're going to get subverted it kind of reminds me of that movie ready or not from two or three years ago love ready or not we're big fans of ready or not and if you've seen that film i'm not going to spoil the ending but if you've seen that film you know at the end um you're surprised to say you know i mean i guess that I guess that's a really a non-spoiler way of putting it. And I don't think they're going to go that direction. I, I think that they're, I think they're being very clear that this is a more grounded story than we're giving it credit for. And the showrunners are even going on like podcasts right now and talking with a bunch of different websites and media on YouTube, basically saying that they created a show to take the genre of a coming of age story and then make it very heightened so you can enjoy it and then remove real real world stakes so then you can feel like you can like almost laugh when Misty is like keeping people in her basement and being crazy <laughs> and not be like wow Misty's a bad person let me let me like talk about how like we should cancel Misty instead of being like I'm kind of team Misty like I get why she's mad right now and they do a great job of make, taking you out of the 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 groundedness of the show where it is there and I think they'll bring that back so I guess I just think that they're doing a really good job of creating a fandom. They're creating a universe. And I, I really do believe that this show is about the after effects of, of trauma and how we have unreliable narrators in our minds and how we th- even something as simple as deja vu. Like there are just some things that happen in our past that we cannot reconcile with from small to large, from micro to macro. And we find ways to compartmentalize with that. And we tell ourselves stories to, again, like there are small stakes to that and very large ones. And in this show, there are hyper stakes uh, involved. And so, um, or at least like it's a heightened uh, sense of like your past. And so I think they're, they're, they did a great job in season one. And I kind of want to see in season two, them take it where I think it's going to go, which is just an, a, a way more a grounded interpretation, which would be awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think that it is more of a grounded like exploration of these characters and then using things that are like terrifying, like man with no eyes, still haunted by man with no eyes to represent that. Right. They're going to go from like what it's like PTSD wise to like be to, to lose your your young love. And then the next scene, the, your best friend's like eating dirt in the ground and like is is having a, a, a traumatic moment where it's so absurd that you're like, okay, you're, you keep being taken out of like these real stakes. And I think that's fascinating. They made that decision, but obviously they know how to run a show. They know how to create a fandom. So agreed. Okay. Should we get into categories? Let's do it. Okay. So first category, valedictorian, who is the person or part that does everything right and nothing wrong in the show. Trey, you want to go first? Sure, I'll jump in. So Christina Ricci as present day Misty. Uh, I think that Ricci is doing her best Michelle Pfeiffer from Catwoman as Catwoman from Batman Returns. Do you remember that? I don't know. You've seen Batman Returns, Yeah, right? yeah. I, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, she's doing like her best TV interpretation of that character uh, before she becomes Catwoman and kind of like a different universe of that character and she's truly terrifying. Like, like really terrifying. I'm like scared of her and also laughing at everything she's doing because she's doing such a good job playing her. 
And there's a ton of comparisons with her character to Misery and uh, in that movie and also a character that resembles somebody who feels invisible and will do anything to be seen, much like Wendy from Ozark in our past podcast. Uh, and I think there are a lot of comparisons to a lot of different women who feel like that, who feel invisible. And, and the Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer character is actually like that in Batman Returns too. But there's also a moment in where, which Misty's on top of Misty's TV in her basement where there's a film like while you were sleeping misery. And then there's a movie, uh, primal fear with Richard Gere and Edward Norton. And I think they're trying to tell us something through those movies. Um, maybe I don't know if it's too on the nose, but I do think they're trying to tell us something about Christina Ricci's character in this, in this TV show and how she might not be this kind of like backseat character in season one, like she was, sort of like they kept treating her as a backseat character. Like she would, they didn't want her to be a part of the crew until they needed her. So I think that she, and I'm going to, I'm going to make my take here on Misty, by the way, this is why she's my MVP. It's okay. Christina Ricci's performance, but also Misty, the character. I think Misty is the antagonist of the show. I think she is. And if you haven't seen primal fear, I'm going to spoil it. So get ready for that. I think she is playing Edward Norton's character in this in this show, I think she has, she is maybe suffering from multiple, multiple personality disorder, or at least taking advantage of those around her who are suffering from that, who have trauma. Uh, and I think Richie plays Misty almost as if she like never left the wilderness and she still feels like her life and she's trapped and she's kind of still living her life like that. And she's kind of trying to subvert the people around her and their expectations of her. And it really does feel like she's leading these women in, in 2021 wherever she wants to take them. And she's kind of controlling the environment and controlling the scenario. And I think we might, toward the end of this, we can get into this later a little bit, but I think we might at the end of, you know, the beginning of the second season or the end of the second season, realize that Misty has been... Uh, I guess the puppeteer this whole time and maybe Lottie isn't actually alive. And I think that would be kind of amazing. I think they've, I think they've left subtle hints for us and we might have a Edward Norton esque reveal in season two, where he kind of reveals himself to Richard Gere as actually not somebody that was dealing with this trauma, somebody that was taking advantage of other people's trauma to kind of get away with what they've done. And I think we might see Misty do that here. Yeah. Okay. So Misty's one of my other categories, so I'm not going to like step on it now. I'm about to get into it, but, um, I guess we'll just like step on predictions for next season too. Like I, I think, yeah, I think maybe Misty either is, is Lottie's cult, like at the head of Lottie's cult. Yeah. Um, and she like learned basically like how to manipulate people like through, through Lottie on the Island. Um, or, she has like created her, her new cult. I don't know, but yeah, I, I think something like similar for sure. I think it's also best shown at the beginning of the season. Like what you were talking about, it shows somebody running through the forest and I'll get, we'll get this to more in predictions toward the end, but it shows someone running through the forest, one of the girls and she dies and she has that necklace on, um, which Jackie gave Shauna, right? And then Shauna gave back to Jackie and then Jackie dies. I believe that's what, happens. right? That's why we thought it was Jackie at first, right? So it looks it looks, if you play that back, if you play that scene back, it looks an awful lot like Lottie 
is running through the snow and then falls into that pit and dies. And it looks like Misty, the young Misty actress is the way she stands and the way she's kind of like arched over. We have to go back. Someone check us on our converse. Like I'm, it was Misty wearing pink converse. Cause that was, that's who was standing at the top of that pit. Yeah. I'm sure people have done it. I mean, the Reddit page is all on top of the stuff. I'm sure I haven't looked, but uh, it does look like Misty's kind of like looking over and that might be where Misty become, becomes, you know, the, I guess almost like the person behind the scenes, the puppet master, like I was saying, puppeteer. And uh, I don't know. That's my take. But I then think who's she's the MVP. antler queen. Cause she's not the antler queen. Okay. Anyway, we'll get, I think we'll talk about it later, but, okay. um, but yeah. Okay. So for my valedictorian, I have Natalie. Okay. Okay. Natalie to me um, is the most interesting character. Like I was, I was so interested in her flashbacks, pre-crash older Natalie no 90s Natalie and current day Natalie Sophie Thatcher's Natalie yeah so um Natalie's played by Sophie Sophie Thatcher younger version and Juliette Lewis older version right both awesome actors and it like her character explores like rage and like grief um and she's like in recovery and I think she's like the most as far as like the kids, like the most aware and humble kid on, I going to keep saying, I'm going to keep saying the Island, but I mean, wilderness. Um, and I think she's like the most aware and humble because of her, basically like her experiences before the crash. Right. Like she is kind of like accepting that, like, this is like shit. And, but I've already like lived kind of in this like place where not only like the other girls, like she's, grew up in like the least privileged environment, I think, right? Like not only like financial security, but also like emotional and physical safety. And so I think she like feels like the most not chill out there, but the most like, yeah, this is happening. Like I'm just already accepting somebody who's gone through trauma before trauma. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think out of like all the women, I'm most interested in her, her character story before the crash, Um, like the death of her abusive father and like the impact that then has as well as the crash on her present day, like self to like destructive behavior, like kind of like the, the her and Kevin cop, Kevin, you know, not working out. I know sad. Um, so she is my valedictorian and let's just go ahead and move on to the second character. I mean, second, uh, category. Okay. okay. All right. Um, this is the teacher's pet or try hard. Okay. So this person complicated award does more than what's asked for them of them for the show and ends up standing out for better or for worse. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the try hard. And the reason I want to get into this category is because I also have Misty here. Nice. Okay. Uh, and Christina Ricci is her. Yeah. Her older day uh, character or mm-hmm. actor. I'm not sure who the younger. I had it written down is. somewhere. I'll, I'll find it eventually. Okay. So, but anyway, loved both uh, sides of Misty before and uh, adult Misty. She is like you said, like, just this increasingly terrifying like team manager and yeah, that's I, Samantha Hanratty. who's playing teen Misty. Yeah, okay. She's a terrifying manager. Yeah. And so I think like the minute she comes on screen when we see her in present day, she's like on her date, right? And they're in the car and she's like, if you thought that I was pretty, like you'd come inside the house. And I think I said like out loud there, like she, oh, she's a serial killer now, right? Like um, which yeah. is confirmed by her, like, you know, ease of disposing of her body. Her you know? silence of the lambs, I guess, filling. Yeah. yeah. And so I think I was, I, I think you already talked a lot about kind of like how she just did a great job playing that character. But I think for the character, like itself, I was both like so irritated, but also intrigued by her character and so afraid of what she was going to do. 
And like, she did have that kind of miss like, like, um, mercy character kind of, you know, like this person who's, I'm going to hurt you to take care of you. Like with coach Ben, um, just like terrifying. But I think the coolest part of the show is that we have these like three segments, right. Of stories like before, like crash teen story, like then crash site and then the grown up coping. Yep. So we have like flashbacks where we kind of like empathize with Misty's alienation and loneliness, like, or at least we like understand, right. We're like, okay, she's like getting bullied and she just doesn't feel like she belongs. And she's just like trying so hard a try hard, right. To like find her place. Um, and then we get to the scene like after the crash where she uses like her girl scout medical training to amputate like coach Ben's leg. Um, and one of the teammates, I think right in the wilderness, I think it might be van was like, Oh my God, we'd be like screwed without Misty. Right. She has all these yeah, skills they say that right away, right. That we need. And what does she go and do? right after that. Oh yeah. She breaks the transmitter that is transmitting the team's location. And it's because she's like valued in the wilderness, but it's totally unforgivable. Like I was like, no, kind and of an iconic moment because she seals the fate of so many people in that moment. Yeah, it's wild. And I thought the team was actually going to find the box this season, but I'm assuming they'll find it in season two. We probably have to figure out why they so like literally hated Misty, the older, the older girls, the now woman in 2021, like they really disliked Misty more than they did when they were children. So we're assuming that they find out Misty probably did something bad. Oh, good call. Yeah. Because it feels like they're tolerating Misty still in the wilderness. They definitely are. They're like, okay, let's just, you know, like not with the mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, um, but now you're right. There is that like, Misty, what the yeah? Yeah, they like, think she's crazy. Yeah. They've said it multiple okay. times. They said they very good call. Crazy. So I do think in season two they'll probably find the box. Um, but yeah, like this is like Misty's beast, right? Like coming out like the beast within. She is the um, beast. Like yeah, maybe and like the mushrooms. Like she's kind of creepy. Like um, this like tragic like need for connection that is then uh, manifesting in these really terrifying ways. Um, like I think she is a serial killer. Like she would have killed that guy t- and if he came in her house. Um, but when Shauna and Taisa and Natalie are together in present day, like you do kind of find yourself like, what is Misty doing? Like wondering what's, what's Misty up to. Right. And I think the, the genius of the show is like, I don't know who to trust ever. And I don't know. There are some times where I feel like is Misty like actually helping them? Like, I don't know. I think, the only thing I think we know for sure, I mean, I obviously I made a lot of large leaps in my predictions for MVP saying it was Misty's character because I just think she's written really well. But the only thing we know for sure is that she feels unwanted and she wants to feel needed. And I think that, that she's done whatever she can to feel needed from breaking Natalie's car to making sure that she can drive her places to um, you know, f- uh, catfishing people in order to feel like she ne- in order to have people <laughs> talk to her and response to her to bring her retirement home the people she's caring for to go get drinks so she can watch people to make sure that they're okay that they might need her eventually to keeping someone in a basement like so I don't I don't know where they're going to what they're going to do with her. These are just assumptions, you know, for season two, but I think she's a great teacher's pet try hard. And just for clarification, because me and Kelsey are teachers, the teacher's pet try hard. I think that might sound like it's a negative character, but it's really somebody who is doing more than what's asked of them. Like how Kelsey was saying, it's somebody you really love to, and you appreciate them. And you also sympathize, you know, with them 
and, and why they're trying so hard. Well, yeah, like they're really like showing out yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. She's also, a great example that she's like a textbook. Yeah, she's a we, textbook. This might actually be hard. the Misty Award. Yeah, so yeah. the Misty Award. Okay, but really quick before we move on and you tell us your Try Hard Award. Um, so I was reading an interview with Richie and she was talking about, because she just had a baby um, after the season. Okay. So she was talking about all the TV shows she was watching with her husband and she watched like Great, Bit- Br- great British Baking Show. Mayor of Easttown, shout out to Evan Peters, bar scene, which this cannot be planned, Emmy. but uh, Trey, just right before we started this podcast, was like, hang on, give me three minutes. I have to watch this I Evan need to get Peters inspired. bar Let scene. Let me see Evan Peters be fake drunk talking to and hitting on Kate Winslet because that's the energy we all need. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And she watched succession and squid game and the interviewer asked her like, how would Misty do on squid game? And I think that's a great question because I would like to see Misty on squid game. Like she said, I think Richie said like she's conniving manipulative, manipulative, like she'd do great. But you know what I want to see her on? I want to see her on the great British bake off. Like, Oh my God. Would Mary Berry or Paul Hollywood like end up having a meeting with Caligula or like just <laughs> show me any scene of them like judging, you know, like whatever the final product is and just the camera like panning to Misty's like scary smile. I want to see her on the I don't great think Mary Berry is going to make it out of there alive. I think Mary Berry had is going to have uh, a tough season if she doesn't let Misty pass through. <laughs> Um, that's a great idea though. Okay. So my teacher's pet try hard is going to Warren Cole's Jeff husband, Jeff. Uh, wait, there was no book club (laughs) that Jeff. I seriously like had a, like he is so lovingly dumb as a character. And I think it's like, you can, you can only sit back and appreciate him even during all those terrible things that we thought he did. You kind of still sort of liked him. And then when you found out that he didn't do those terrible things, which I'll get to in a second, you are almost feeling really sad for his character, especially when he was about to go to jail for Shauna. I liked how we were watching Shauna all season as this like seemingly likable protagonist in the first few episodes. And then you slowly stop trusting any of the characters including Shauna, except for maybe Natalie, but you sort of don't even trust her because she is like struggling from addiction. And then by the end of the show, I feel like we're left with Jeff who is like, I thought you were reading like, I don't know what book um, the Da Vinci code <laughs> with our neighbors. Yeah. I think she was like basically um, describing what's the Ben Affleck movie. Um, she was like, it's a girl on a train with, um, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah from yeah, the yeah, window yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. Whatever that is. But, uh, so short answer, yes, long answer, no. He stole $50,000 from older Nat, so I guess he's not really a good person to answer that question about whether he's a good person because he did steal a lot of money because he, I don't, I don't know, he he needed money for his furniture store. But and he, he used his wife's trauma like to do it. Like Yeah, that's pretty sad. Read her, all her journals. Yeah, he stood out as a surprising character though, so albeit all those negative things. I still think he was probably the most, the person you could most sit back and be like, I kind of rooting for Jeff at the end of this season. Uh, and I feel like he's to give a student example. He was like a student trying to pass all year long. And then at the end of the year, he surprisingly wrote like a well-crafted persuasive essay on why there's like a serious market and selling furniture. And I'm like, yeah, Jeff, you're wrong, but you wrote it really well. So you're going to pass. And like, that's, that's my try art. That's, that's my Jeff. And then my second, that's my Jeff, my Jeff. <laughs> and then my uh, second uh, place for this, cause I have a second place is Ella Purnell's Jackie. 
Uh, Yellow Jackets kind of starts off with her as this, what seem like she's on the cover of the show and you, she also starts off with her with Jeff, younger Jeff in bed together. And it also ends the season with her dying. And I don't think anyone seriously liked Jackie the whole episode or season uh, until she was like the voice of reason that explains that the whole team tried to like assault Travis. And then she basically was killed for speaking up. Like I know inadvertently killed because they like told her to go outside or she told Sean to go outside and she's like, well, I'm going to go outside. But still, that might have been an unreliable narrator. It does feel like they kind of killed Jackie. They might even eat her in next season. We don't know. Yeah. How are they? Are they going to freeze her body? Like, I guess just keep it outside. Keep it cool. Keep meat cool in the freezer, I guess. Like, I don't I don't know. That might happen. But I think she was she did a really good job. She tried really hard to be the team leader and she wasn't really good at anything, which kind of made her perfect for this position where nobody could really get offended by Jackie because she wasn't really good at any of the things that everybody else had skills in and it ultimately led to her demise. So I think we can all a little, a little bit relate to Jackie because she was like the only one at the end being like, you, you all have lost it. I'm like the only sane person here. So those are my two, Jeff and Jackie. Interesting. The okay. Jays. I didn't even think of Jeff for this. I love that. Um, Yeah. Okay. So for the second semester, this is the next category. This is the person that improves their performance throughout the show um, or something that might be underrated at first. Okay. So I'm not going with a person that improves their performance. I'm going with the underrated. Ooh. Okay. First part mm-hmm. um, for the second semester award. And I have basically Shauna's relationships for this. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I'm about to get into a little bit of Jackie too. But so for Shauna's relationships with like Jackie and Taisa, at first I was confused in present day when like right Shauna and Taisa um, were close. Good call. I forgot because about that. I was like, wait, I don't even see them bonding or like talking right. that much in the wilderness. And Taisa is really only like vulnerable around Van, right? But then we see like Taisa be like, I'm gonna go upstairs and like sleep there. Everyone's afraid of this. And Shauna goes to keep her company. And that's like where I was like, okay, the bond's starting here. That makes more sense. Um, and I think season two, we're definitely gonna get some like Taisa Van split, right? Um, because Van has some some cult leaning tendencies, and Taisa, um, her present day character, like really is closer to Shauna. So I think we're going to see like that even more in season two in the wilderness. Yep. Um, but also just a quick shout out to Taisa, like her, her present day just character arc was so interesting. And I think like at one point, even you're like, let's get a full movie of this. Like if they gave me a Tawny Cypress playing Taisa, that's the, the older Taisa. I, I mean, I would pay to go see that at the theater immediately. Yeah. I think her and Shauna still feel like they have the most secrets in present day to me. I like that. Um, okay. My second, my second piece of this, uh, kind of second semester Shauna's relationships is Jackie. So just like you said, like, I think I loved at the opening when the captain was like, Hey Jackie, like I'm going to be real with you. You have no skills. Okay. (laughs) You're not talented Jackie, but you can influence people. Like you're the only person who can influence people on this team. That's kind of fascinating to think about leadership that way too, because if you pick somebody who's not a threat, you're kind of picking the perfect middleman, but that kind of unite people. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's interesting because like, we saw like, I thought Taisa was going to be someone who was 
constantly speaking up. But like you said, it was Jackie in the end, right? Who was like, Hey, everyone, like we cannot do this. Like we cannot start thinking the wilderness because we're going on a like slipper slippery slope here. Right. Um, and she but- does it at the beginning of the season too. Sorry not to interrupt you, interrupt you. I'll just be quick. Like young Thaisa, uh, you not to apologize for interrupting me. I'm really sorry, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> young Thaisa, uh, breaks that shin of that freshman and they're all drunk, drunk at that party. Oh my God. And they're all fighting about how Thaisa hurt somebody else. And they're trying to say whether that was morally okay or not, or at least like they're arguing that indirectly as like teenagers. And Jackie's like, everybody needs to chill out. You're all being kind of, you know, insane right now. And that's what she also argues at the end of the season. And, uh, she gets kind of killed for it. It's interesting. Yeah. So I think that was also why she was my like second semester award because I think you are right. Like they're subverting us kind of like throughout the, the first part of the season. Um, and I don't know why I didn't just like trust the Jackie, you know, like cover of showtime that Jackie was going to get dead. Like, um, but will there, we have like the beginning, right? Pre-crash, like Jackie is like kind of saying, Hey everyone, like just say one thing that you like about each other to each other. We have nationals like tomorrow. Right. Um, or we're flying to nationals. And then we get Jackie in the wilderness and we have like basically all these things where they're kind of telling us to be anti Jackie and maybe not for like bad reasons. Right. She like is kind of selfish and like has these spoiled kind of behaviors. Like they're trying to sanitize coach Ben's leg during the amputation (laughs) and someone like grabs her alcoholic, like face wash. And she's like, wait, like that's mine. Like, (laughs) or like her not pitching in. She seems like the most privileged it comes yeah. from a very privileged socioeconomic background. Like it's pretty clear. Like she had a really nice house. They show at the beginning of the show, her right, parents yeah. seemed kind of wealthy too. And they had dinner with him. Uh, Sean and Jeff had dinner with them. So yeah. Yeah. And I, lo- I loved before they took off on the plane, like how they showed us each of their houses, like Lottie's house too. like her dad, you know, bought that plane uh, for them, like the private, private plane for them. And she was like alone. Right. Um, while she was taking her medication before they left, right at this like really nice dining table. Um, so I think that is interesting to think about also which characters like have the most privilege going into this. Yeah. Right. Crash site or wilderness too. Um, but we see like Jackie not pitching in. Um, and I, I, so they're kind of framing it in this, like we need to be anti Jackie and like, fair enough. Like she does like sleep with Travis when she knows that like that will hurt Natalie. They hadn't talked in weeks, Kelsey. Okay. And then, um, also like just representing these kind of like negative vibes of like, guys, we're gonna like die anyway. Like let's stop doing this like fake family facade, you know? Um, obviously still like selfish, you know, but I did think that was like, I'll come back to it again. I do think that was like the biggest moment because we were all expecting Jackie to like do something selfish and then they would like kill her or I don't know. Like I, I felt like Jackie would have a different death, but basically what happens is when Lottie kills the deer and then everyone starts believing that like, cause Lottie said we won't be hungry for much longer. She kills a bear. Yeah. She like, she, right? yeah, a bear, the yeah. giant bear. She, yeah. um, everyone's like, okay, like the wilderness, the spirit, the blue light, like it doesn't want Laura Lee to leave. <laughs> right. Like, and they're thanking the wilderness and Jackie is the first person to speak against the cult, right? Like Thaisa does it under her breath. And she's like, this is like a lot. Like, I don't know if this is necessary. Um, but what happens is like, they literally freeze her out, right? Like coach stay out of this, right? Like you have no power here. Yeah. That was scary. 
Um, yeah. And so I think it's fitting cause they're like icing Jackie out the whole time. And then she literally freezes and we have this end of the season, like kind of starting cult dynamics and like real world consequences to these kind of like internal or these like relationship conflicts. So call it whatever you want, like death of innocence, like reality creeping in cult beginnings. But that's my second semester is like Shauna's relationships with these people, because that was the most interesting piece to me was like Taisa and Shauna that we're going to get a lot more in season two. And then Jackie, um, like really were kind of subverted around her character the whole time. Right. Okay. That makes sense. There was more transparency in the dynamics of her relationships. I love that. Mine's less, I think interesting, but I still think it's, I still think this is like one of the coolest performances of the, of the whole show, which you just brought up was Tani Cypress as Taisa. She's my second semester. She has like a split personality disorder, I guess it feels like James McAvoy's character from split a little bit. Like that's how they're playing this kind of like hyper real, uh, character. And I think Thaisa is kind of like what like Misty is taking advantage of a little bit. Like I think that's what I was saying in the, in the first MVP award, like Misty is like, is trying to say that basically she is, she is going through something similar as these other women. And really she's just tricking everybody that she's kind of like losing it a little bit. Whereas Thaisa is actually losing it and she's losing her family, her relationships and, and everything and whatnot. But I think when they first showed Thaisa, uh, I was sort of confused, older Taisa, with why she was so structured, like in the first episode or two, and why the rest of the team as adults were all losing their shit. Like she was the only one, Taisa was the only one who was a good example, like appearing as if your shit was together, but also on the inside, she was literally falling apart. Uh, and I think as Natalie says at one point, older Natalie, she goes, you guys are just as fucked up as I am. You're just better at hiding it. That really felt like it was directed specifically in the writing toward uh, Taisa, her, her older character and the younger character too. Um, so that performance, I think, was the best at hiding the complexities of having like a severe PTSD, some trauma, and that's why modern day Taisa gets my second semester as most improved. I was hoping we'd see the man with no eyes again toward the end of the season, oh but God. we didn't because that shit was wild. Yeah, um, yeah. haunting, and I, I love that because yeah, she did have. I was I was thinking the same thing like when we open with her and her family like taking you know pictures. I was like, oh wow, because she maybe Thais is just like really strong, but we have basically like the trauma in like the bad one, um, you know, that she, right. When woman in the, in the trees at night, um, great pick. Yeah. And I also just want to shout out to young Thaisa played by Jasmine Savoy Brown. She's like up and coming. I just saw scream five and she is hilarious in that she gets serious layers. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, all right. So next category, are we ready? This one's gonna be a lot of fun. Okay. I don't really have much for this one. Maybe I'll just go first real quick. Um, I have the, so this is the transfer. Okay. Um, and this is the person or part that should have been transferred out of the film. Okay. And you can insert them with another choice. So for me, it was, I don't want to transfer out the whole reunion. Okay. I love the concept of this reunion. Um, and I think they probably planned maybe more and then maybe had to cut some things. But I thought, like, I really thought we were doing a lot of maybe what we shouldn't do, a lot of, like, predicting before we saw this episode. We didn't, like, binge it all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought we were going to, like, meet a second group. Or I was like, is Lottie alive? Is Jackie alive? Like, we hadn't found out that Jackie's dead yet. Right. 
Um, and I was like, we're going to meet someone at this reunion. It like this band going to be there. Like yeah. it felt like if it's a reunion, like, you know, people are coming back. Um, although I love that, <laughs> that shot of them, like all walking in together and then Misty like joining them. That was kind of badass in a weird way. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, it felt like very like two thousands movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mean girls esque too a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, I was, I kept thinking about like who are going to be the older people who they're going to introduce as right. The like teen characters like Mm -hmm. in present day. And so instead of transferring anything out, um, I want to know who you would transfer in if we were to have this amazing reunion where we see an actor come back. So you could like pick any actor that you want to add to the cast for like the present day cast. Right. Um, who are you, who are you casting? Well, this is tough because there are some characters we know that might still be alive, like a Lottie or a van, even though I've already stated some of my opinions about Lottie and I'll get to what I, what I really think about every, all the other girls that aren't the main that haven't been shown yet in 2021, but there's also a lot of girls that they show us that they don't really give any lines to that are still alive. Yeah, like the you mean the girls on the island. The girl, yeah, the girls in the forest who yeah. are still like oh, sorry, the, the, wilderness. the wilderness feels like an island. Yeah, yeah, the wilderness that don't have any like lines that are just like there. Oh, I'm like, are they going to eat them next yeah. season? Like, what's going on? But we might really get some serious new actors next season. They might get lines now. Um, that would be really cool. So that would be cool. I thought the perfect casting addition for Jackie as a '90s actor would be Jennifer Love Hewitt, and I've heard a few different people say that now, and I think that. I thought it immediately when I saw Jackie and thought about future Jackie, but now that she's dead, I'll take an older ghost, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I know what you did last summer vibes. That would be really interesting. Um, so that was my idea for Jackie, but because what are you gonna say? Okay. I, I only had one answer, um, for you, which was also Jackie, um, before we found out that, you know, she's dead, but I'll take a ghost. I like that idea too. Yeah. My pick, although I don't think she's available for yellow jackets, uh, sadly, but is Uma Thurman for older Jackie. I like it. I would, I would love to see. I Uma have Thurman. Uma Thurman and my random actresses to throw in for one of the side. <laughs> so one of the side girls got older and is just like chilling in a swamp somewhere. Well, Uma Thurman, I mean, maybe it's also like very kill bill, you know, imagery, but mm-hmm. like she feels like you all like, you know, killed me. I'm coming back for you. But, um, Uma Thurman would have been really, int- I love, um, I love Natalie's older, the, the actress who plays Natalie. I'm, I'm blanking. Oh, um, I'm blanking. I shouldn't be blanking Oscar nominee, uh, but Juliet Lewis. Yes. Thank Juliet you. Juliet Lewis. Lewis. Uh, Uma Thurman would have been really cool as an older Natalie. Uh, but yeah, so Uma Thurman True. in general would be awesome. Okay. So let's talk about Lottie and transfers. Cause I'm going to mix in my transfers here now. I didn't want to transfer any scene out. So I, I agree. We should talk about cast additions as transferring in for next season. That's a really good idea. The only thing I'll note about things that might, that might, there should have been transferred or at least maybe we should have gotten more context was uh, about probably the teen nudity stuff. I think that probably could have got transferred out. That was a little weird. Um, and I don't think they were really conscious of making that decision. They were just trying to show representation of young people in the show, but that, you know, on a second thought maybe wasn't the best idea. And I would have liked to see because it was weird at first, but I think it's actually fascinating in terms of Shauna's character when she is, uh, having a moment uh, on her daughter's bed, looking at her daughter's uh, boyfriend. Uh, and I think that would have been interesting for them to, to have a five minute conversation about her, how her PTSD and maybe how she felt like she never left the Island um, as a young teen. And I think that's kind of what they're trying to imply. 
through that scene. So yeah. maybe I would transfer out some of the the stuff I said just now about the nudity and maybe transfer in some more context about that scene. Yeah, I agree. Like I think that because the actor Melanie Lewinsky is that who yes. plays older. Yes. Um, Shauna, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she had a, in an interview. She talked about like how the showrunners coached her through that, and we're talking about how she had like basically like arrested development or stunted yes. growth. But I don't think it was explored, so I don't know if it was like a great choice because it was. Yeah, I think it's, it's it definitely it goes felt in, like there were multiple hands on that script in that moment. Yeah, like yeah. it goes along with kind of like the irresponsible. I think like nudity because these people are these kids are supposed to be teenagers. This was like seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, years like old, why yeah. are we like you know, like sexualizing them. Like you can still show realistic, like sex scenes or what teenagers go through. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it was, they do a really good job with Natalie and could have been transferred out for sure. They do a great job with Natalie and Travis. Yeah, Um, they do. Besides that. Yeah, it was kind of messy. Okay. More to the fun stuff now. So Lottie, uh, Olivia Munn would make a lot of sense as Lottie. I know that's not a nineties actor and she's still a little bit young. Um, in terms of like the older characters, but if they were going to cast an older Lottie, Olivia Munn would make a lot of sense. A less famous idea, but these are for my small head or sorry, Smallville heads out there. If you're a big Smallville fan or have seen Smallville, no way. Kristen Kruick, I think that's how you say her last name as Lana Lang in Smallville would be an amazing Lottie. I could see her Lana. being terrifying. Um, she'd be great. So if you wanted to add some other popular new edition of girls we haven't met yet, but they're older now in the, in the modern era. I think Julianne Moore would be an interesting actress to be in this Uma Thurman, Holly Berry, Sigourney Weaver, Wyona Ryder makes a lot of sense. I also have Winona too. Yeah. She would make a lot of sense. Um, as Lottie specifically, she would be sick. Big cult vibes from right from Ryder. Uh, Alicia Silverstone would be great. But my perfect casting Alicia Silverstone is clueless clueless. Correct. Okay. Yeah, my perfect casting. I think for Lottie, like my personal favorite is Demi Moore. I would love to see GI Jane craziness fit like cult leader. She just has that vibe that I think would be terrifying if like she Natalie eyes. Yeah, she really does. Like just Natalie's like dragged into a room and it's just like Demi Moore sitting there. Uh, and then you have, uh, I think, maybe a fun addition, but maybe too famous, but maybe not. Mayor of Easttown happened. Kate Winslet as Van, I could see. Interesting. The yeah. only thing is, like, you don't want to add people in here. Not that, like, the current present day woman are, like, you know, subpar actors compared to, like, Kate Winslet or anything yeah. like that. But you also don't want to add anyone who would throw off the vibe of, like, stardom, you know? So I'm really glad you said that because I'm about to name somebody that you're going to maybe you might have even thought of, but I think you're going to wish you picked it. Uh, young van. I really struggled with picking older van. Uh, young van is, uh, I think she, she's red hair. I'm trying to like, she was the one who, who had her face torn off and then somehow they stitched it back together. I think, I think an older van played by Sarah Snook from succession as Siobhan Roy would be amazing. She would bring a lot of depth to that character. And I think Siobhan Roy is basically already in a cult in succession. So I think she can just play that character as older van working with Lottie and maybe Misty as like a trio of like scary people. And I think that would be really amazing. I think that that's in the realm of possibilities, even though Sarah Snook, I think is 35 and the other older women are like early forties. I think they could still pull that off. I think it could still work. Yeah. Um, also because I don't know if everyone who watches yellow jackets is also in the succession camp. So oh, go watch succession right now. Yeah. Well, after this podcast. Yes. Um, but I think like that might be a, 
not throwing off stardom, even though Shiv is amazing and a star in my heart. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, I didn't even think about that. You Those know are a lot of names though. You know, so what's interesting. Cheated. It's yeah. You know, what's interesting though, is thinking about like big little lies, which I know you didn't watch all of. Um, but like with Nicole Kidman, uh, Shailene Woodley, Reese Witherspoon, Laura Dern. Oh yeah. That was interesting. Show. Yeah. That's like the star version right of sort oh, of like what's of going on of, here that's funny yeah yeah um but i'm more interested in yellow jackets if that, if you're a big little eyes fan go watch yellow jackets um yeah but great choices thank you what do you got do you have any others no i only had uma thurman <laughs> quick quick question before we go into uh award five for what's going in the yearbook just i'm putting you on the spot here did you like what was going on in the forest with the younger actors and act, the actresses um and their characters more or less than the older ones oh like so do you mean did i like basically spending time in like the, the wilderness versus present day which time jump did you like did you like the prequel the present hmm. day would you would you enjoy i i don't know like i i think i thought i'd i'd be more invested in the wilderness but I think if I'm thinking about my reaction and what I loved in the show, because it's, it's about characters, right. And it's about basically like finding out these deep dives of what people are capable of and like what they're going through. I was more interested in present day because we're basically figuring out what they're, how they're still coping with these situations Mm -hmm. in the wilderness. And there are still things that are unsolved, Right. And mm-hmm. so I think I was probably more invested in present day, but I enjoyed the wilderness more. Like I enjoyed the the scenes from the wilderness more because um, I don't know, maybe just cause they're all young and there was, you know, thinking about like what they're actually going to do. Right. So I don't know if that, that makes sense or it, answers your no, question. It does. I was struggling with that. That's why I asked because I ultimately came to the conclusion that the older characters, the modern era version of these women are basically still in the wilderness, like in their minds from like Shauna killing animals in her backyard to Misty dealing with older people losing their lives and then dying and potentially being a serial killer on the side to Natalie trying to erase herself from reality by uh, taking drugs all the time or being or having those addictions. And then uh, and then you have um, Thaisa trying to enter the wilderness of politics. And so like, they're all just trying to get away from what is happening in the real world. So I think I do also agree that the, the modern era is more interesting, but I would almost like to see all these women in the forest, like trying to survive. If that makes sense. Well, I think it, I think like, I think we're both saying similar things because what I meant like, is that when I said I was had more questions and was really interested in the present day, like you are the only reason I think I enjoyed the wilderness wilderness scenes more is because they're all together and actually talking where in present day there, there's a lot of shots of them alone, right? Like, so, but when they're together in present day, like I'm also like, so in like when they're in the minivan um, and all these things are happening, but I think I ultimately enjoy more like the scenes with the wilderness when it's when we're flashing back to what happened. I'm like, Oh, we're about to get the backstory. Agreed. The show is really impressive. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Last category here. Yeah. Okay. So what is going in the yearbook for you, Trey? So the yearbook, what's going in the yearbook is the most memorable, memorable person, uh, and or part of the movie or show in this case or show. Yeah. In this case. So I think 
the traumatic Natalie arc is most memorable. I think Juliette Lewis's career and how she was treated after her Oscar nomination as an 18 year old and kind of a product of this patriarchal eighties, nineties, Hollywood of not giving her more, I guess, chances or opportunities, uh, because there was a lot of, I guess there's a lot of sources saying that there were many producers who wouldn't give her roles because they thought that maybe she would become cocky after being nominated from her Oscar, which is just a lot to deal with. And I think she's been very, she's been pretty vocal about that. And she's a pretty good example of how your past can kind of haunt you like real life, Julia Lewis. So I think she's kind of a fascinating cast. Um, and she was saying how this role kind of bothered her because there's nothing happy about it or her arc isn't progressing. It's regressing. Mm, And it's sort of perfect casting to have Lewis portray this version of Natalie who is suffering so much from like 25 years after these horrible things happen to her. So I think it needs to be printed in our yellow jackets yearbook. And it also gives me an excuse to talk about really quickly uh, what Kelsey was saying before about Sophie Thatcher, young Natalie. I think she's a rock star. She was the most captivating part. I think of the the wilderness and pre-crash. Yeah. I think she might've blown all the actors out of the water, the young ones, at least. I think she's like playing every scene with a certain amount of weight and relatability. I think she's the best written arc. So that's also why maybe, but she arguably is like the only protagonist instead of Jeff for the show. And (laughs) Jeff, yeah, Jeff. And she's like 20 years old and she when shooting this, maybe 19 when she was shooting this. She's 21 now. We were watching an interview with her and even her as an individual, she seems so mature. Like she almost feels like this performance might transcend generations or eras, which I think is the best way to frame how to think of a superstar or a movie star rather. So she's got it, whatever it is. So I think she kind of comes off almost like a young Juliette Lewis a little bit, which I, so I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of her. She was just in that Boba Fett show on Disney plus like, I think that she might also be right next to she, her and Juliette Lewis as Natalie deserve to be in the yearbook. Great choice. Yeah, she was. That's why she was my MVP um, yeah. or my, you know, my valedictorian. Uh, okay. So my yearbook was the music, the horror, the mystery. And I think it's just because love that I didn't expect to be so scared. Like after, I think it was easier to go back to watching the episodes once I, once I knew what to expect, but the first couple there, like so disorienting and like, um, the mystery was amazing, but the horror elements, like I was, it took me a minute to like go to bed, you know, like after we watched those first couple episodes, it was truly terrifying. The man, the man with no eyes, the man with no eyes and, shout the, out. and the ghost guy in the Jackie scene where she like sees a ghost of someone. Oh yeah. I, I you think that's it, the person it. from the cabin, yeah, right? Like that's that. the past. At first I thought it was coach Ben, but right. I think it's the person from the cabin. I we'll think have to right. rewatch. Yeah. I mean that the, so you said music, the vibe, right? Yeah. The music, the horror, the mystery, That's like great. elements, yeah. because I think what is so successful about the show, like I said before, is that, we have the deep dives, right? We have the character arcs. Like that's what's running the show and pushing it forward. Um, and I think we love, you know, character stories and character development. Um, but we're also figuring out what each of these characters like is capable of. And we're flashing back to the wilderness to see that. Um, the only like funny part, I, some people have described like present day or well, they've described the the show as kind of like Scooby-Doo, um, which the <laughs> present day present day definitely does have that vibe sometimes. But like Trey, who doesn't love being on spooky Island? Okay. <laughs> like, oh my God. A Scooby-Doo reference. We're gonna have um, to go back and rewatch. But I guess, uh, you know, it was, I, I can totally understand that, but 
I think it was like fun. I'm, I'm here for it. Great yearbook choice. That was fantastic. Okay. Those are really great, really easy show to give awards to, frankly, like we yeah. just did Ozark and licorice pizza and those, those, that content in its own right, especially licorice pizza is amazing for this kind of what we do here on the extra credits podcast with these awards, but yellow jackets was just a great time. Like I could have given these awards to basically any of the characters. They all felt like, like simultaneously valedictorians and tryhards. Also, was, I feel like we didn't give enough love to coach Ben. Um, yeah, he's you know, good. He yeah, he's great. Um, and then I think just, yeah, a lot of maybe the wilderness scenes were, were really good. We'll get into it mm-hmm. when we go to season two. All right. So final question, does this show deserve extra credit tray? Yes. Everybody needs to go. Everybody needs to maybe go rewatch this before, you know, over the next year, because season two will probably come out in like two years. Like, I think it's going to be one of those shows where I can usually just jump into a show and not rewatch. Like we just did Ozark. We didn't rewatch any of the seasons, but this show I'll rewatch the first season because it was that oh, exciting. For sure. Easy yeah. binge. And what was nice about it is they didn't make you binge. It. it was like every week there was a new episode and that was made it more suspenseful. The kind of lore was built around yellow jackets. It has a cult. Like I said, like unironically, it has a cult and it is, I think it deserves all the credit right now. And I think Showtime is about to become what Showtime used to be, which is nice. Like kind of like, a uh, you know, a second tier HBO um, just because of this TV show. That's how good this was. Cool. Yeah. I also had, uh, obviously, if you can't tell from listening to this podcast all the way through, right? Yes. It deserves even more extra credit because it's not on everyone's radar. Maybe not everyone like has Showtime, um, but there are other ways to watch or get that trial or, you know, whatever you got to do to watch the team Yellow Jackets. Can you imagine if this was on Netflix? Oh my God. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Like all of our students would be like, Mr. Flynn, the nineties were so cool. And I'd be like, you just stop. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, let's go to predictions, right? For let's do it, yeah. season two. Let's do it. Okay. So I already kind of spoiled some of my predictions. Like the question I was going to start off with was who's running in full into the, into the trap in the first episode. Reddit blogs are arguing, Kelsey, I don't, you definitely don't know that. I, at least I don't think you know this because you, you stay off the Reddit. Pages. Yeah, I, I'm not a Reddit frequenter. Well, the Yellow Jackets Reddit hive is real. Uh, and they are arguing <laughs> that Shauna's daughter, Callie, is going to be uh, taken. Whoa. Yeah. And they think that it's an, uh, not a before, but an after what we see at the beginning of the season. It is what we haven't seen yet, which is Callie, Shauna's daughter, might be taken just like how Natalie has been taken by Lottie's uh, cult. And so they, they apparently some people said it looked like her when she was running. I didn't really see that. I saw Lottie when I saw the person running. That's how I looked at it. Wait, what do you mean that? Oh, that Shauna's daughter was the one running. Yes. Yeah, like what? it was a future. It was looking into the future. And but no, but Misty was. But we had the converse at the top of that pit. Yeah, but we don't know who that was. No way. Like they're recreating it. Like the cult is recreating it. It could be, it. yeah. I mean, that's what that's what the Reddit hive is saying, okay? But don't we see young Shauna like slicing someone's throat? Let me be let me be very clear. I think it's Lottie. <laughs> okay, I don't think it's Callie, but I love the idea that it's Callie. This seems and like a situation I, I like that idea too. in which like the fans sometimes can write more interesting scripts than the actual script. And like, that is very interesting. I do love the idea of this kind of fan fiction as Callie, but I think it was Lottie who dies. And I think Misty was on the edge uh, who drags her back to the crew and they eat her body. And we're being duped to think that Lottie's alive at the end of season one, like quite literally Kels being catfished. 
like how Misty has already shown us that she's done. They've already kind of planted the seeds. They pepper these ideas that she is going to be manipulating others around her. So they've already told us that Misty is like that. Now, another prediction I have is that they are going to introduce us to Travis older Travis. I think they're going to start season- Wait, like before he died. Yeah. So I think in season one, they end with Natalie and I think that's important They end with dragging her off. And I think it's important because we're probably going to start season two with dragging her in. And I think a great way to do that. And a lot of shows like this, when they time jump like this, I think they, they take advantage of giving you a character you kind of forgotten about. And I think older Travis and casting older Travis, which I don't have any ideas, but I would love to hear some. Well, they already had a flashback. Remember to Natalie has been to Travis's apartment. Oh, right. So she saw him. Yeah. So I'm assuming they already have That'd be someone who's cast. I just thought it'd be really cool if they, if they started off season two with a scene of Travis, uh, kind of like drinking with that reporter and like how she comes over or whatever. And then he's taken by the cult and we're maybe introduced to whoever the cult members are. And then they kill him and then they kind of, they they cut to Natalie. And I think that would be really fascinating. Um, And so I only have, I think one other, one other take, uh, which is I think Misty is going to get killed in a really gruesome way. In season two. I think in season two, I think, I think Natalie is going to murder a lot of people. I think Natalie's going to get her John Wick esque moment in season two. So that's my, that's my. Wow. Guess. Okay. Yeah. Great prediction. Also, because we were talking about how like Uma Thurman could have been Natalie, oh, like yeah. her kill bill, John Wick right. um, moment. Yeah. Okay. I also think it was Lottie at the beginning. I thought that it was Jackie because of the necklace. Then I thought it was Shauna. Cause she gives Shauna the necklace. And then I think she gives it back. Um, but I do think it's Lottie too. Just also thinking about like when her hair is dragged, it's really long, which Lottie has really long hair. Um, but yeah, I, I also am on the vibe of Lottie was the one who, who died. Um, maybe she took the necklace. I don't know. I would also love to see though in next season, like Lottie alive. So I, I almost don't want it to be Lottie. Like I want mm-hmm. to see adult Lottie, um, present day Lottie and have her, kind of like talk about or kind of be the the head of the cult. But I do think it is probably more likely that Misty is the head of the cult. Like she, you know, learned how to get all these followers. She was like the understudy of Lottie in the wilderness because at the end, right in the final, I think moment of the show, she and Van are behind um, Lottie, right? When she puts the bear heart in the hollowed out uh, tree, Right. right? And I think in season two, we're going to get like early cult formations in the wilderness. Obviously, like Sean is going to have to have her baby. What's going to happen with that? That baby um, is that baby is. I think it's dead. I just think ro- it, I just a think rotisserie it's, chicken. That's what I just that think. Is. I don't know if they're going to eat it, but I don't know. Anything's possible now. But there are also a lot of predictions about the shrine. Did Taisa build that shrine? Was it the cult that built the shrine? I think it was Taisa. Yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like who else is going to come in that house? Like, I feel like her partner is like pretty aware, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, um, and I think it's Taisa just going in her basement. I think the end of the show with Taisa smiling when she wins the Senate and that kind of like, it looks like this, like maybe she has, maybe she's self-aware of her, like what she's going through with her mental health and her kind of like multiple personality disorder, whatever's going on with her. I think the, the tough part about this show is like what we're talking about, like who's going to be alive next season. Like did, did Taisa do this to the dog and all that stuff with the baby doll. And, and, uh, 
I think the screenwriters are doing a really good job of just making us talk about this too much. Like they are being very direct about what happened. There were only these women who made it off, who made it out of that Canadian wilderness. I think that's where they were. And that's it. And Van is dead and, and uh, Lottie is dead. And, uh, and the rest of them are also dead. Coach Ben, whoever. Okay. But well, yeah, coach Ben's definitely going to have his death pretty soon in season two. I'm assuming Yeah, the other leg's going to go pretty quick. Okay. But something I just thought of if it is Lottie is Thaisa antler queen. I mean, it would make sense. It would make sense that she's antler queen. I also think we're really in someone we've not talked about basically for, I think the least amount out of all the girls and women have been, has been Shauna. I think you she, think Shauna's antler queen. Shauna's the only one out of all of them who is trying her hardest to act like she's normal. Like out of everybody, she is trying to be a house mom. She's the only person trying to act suburban while everybody else is trying to literally find their way out of their reality. Hmm. And I think that there could be a reason for that. And I think, yeah, it's possible that she could be Antler Queen after they kill Lottie. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, you can think what you want. Opinion is the wilderness between knowledge and ignorance, as Misty says. <laughs> yeah. And also, um, go watch the interviews of the cast. Like they're, they have such a cool relationship. It seems like the younger cast really hung out a lot and the older cast really hung out a lot. And there's kind of this like weird out of sync between the older and younger generation in the interviews. And like, but the, the younger cast and the older cast specifically with each other, like have a very strong connection. It seems like actually seem like friends outside of this. So I would really recommend going to watch, um, watch those interviews. Yep. That were great. Check cool. it out. All right. So my, um, my last, uh, thing that I, I just have to say, okay. Um, Reddit, Reddit followers, please pay attention. All right. Um, I looked up yellow jackets cause I was like, why did they choose yellow jackets as Plus the there mascot? Were, there were none in here like yeah. in the show. Well, yeah. Like I was like, where are they getting it swarmed, yeah. whatever, or is that just like a cool mascot? Um, but I think since it's like a Lord of the flies, right? Like young, um, boys on an Island and then oh, you're about young to go girls English on an okay. Island. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yellow jackets aren't like bees. Like usually we think like queen bee. Okay. But yellow jackets, if you don't know your wasps, yellow jackets bees it's okay i don't either i had to do a google search (laughs) but the yellow jackets have like a beetle kind of body with a pointed stinger thing gross okay and um and they look like kind of zebra yellow and black um but according to orkin pest control the first google i think i accidentally clicked an ad seems legit um but listen to this i i'm sure the showrunners did some research okay the life cycle of the yellow jacket uh Nest begins in winter. Okay. When they fertilize yellow jacket Queens go into hibernation, Queens hibernate in covered natural locations, such as tree stumps and hollowed out logs. Okay. Lottie. Yeah. And although they may also choose, um, man-made structures for shelter. Okay. Like our deck or something. We have a a nest of something on our deck. Okay. Um, And then in the spring, the queen will emerge and begin to build a nest from plant fibers that she chews, making a type of paper. When the nest is started, she begins to lay her eggs after the eggs hatch into larva. The queen feeds her young with scavenged meat, fish, and other insects. As adults, these first uh, offspring are sterile female workers that expand the nest, searching for food and caring for the queen and her young. 
Shauna. So, so Shauna. So maybe Shauna. Straight from Orkin Pest Control. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Our, the predictions are right. Yeah. We got this. Um, which is wild. Okay. Anyway, they literally Googled uh, Yellow Jackets, clicked that link, and they were like, we got it. Okay, last, I, last question I have for you here. Um, would I think you we just watch, wrote season two. Did we just write season yeah. two? Yeah. Okay, would you watch another series with another sports team stranded in the wilderness? Maybe like a softball team. What do, would you watch? Like a football team, basketball? Mm, that's a really interesting question. I don't know what sport I would watch. I feel like soccer is interesting because you would almost, it's like unassumingly tough. Like I think that there are a lot of that kind of like the, the expectations of women in sports. I have uh, been a, um, a helper on a, a, a high school girls team when I was in high school of a lacrosse team and they were wild. So I can, I can imagine Ooh, a lacrosse team would be good. Yeah. So I can imagine lacrosse being really intense. Yeah. I think for me, like I would love to see another like all woman cast. Like that's why I also loved this story. Cause like, I cannot believe, right? Like we don't have things that are just normal in shows like, you know, like simple things like periods, right. Or like faked orgasms at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Um, but I would, also like to see kind of like football, basketball, um, or just like a stranded, like let's uncover like the various lineups of like masculinity. Um, I think that'd be really interesting too. Um, or what about like a theater department at a school? <laughs> that'd be really entertaining glee, but in the wilderness. It's interesting because, uh, I think boys would be more likely to, to be dependent rather than independent. Whereas these young girls are very independent. I, I mean, I think from what I've watched and I think boys are like taught in the, their sports to almost be militant and like fall in line. And while they, there are a lot that don't, it would be interesting to watch that kind of take fold. They would be much quicker to nominate a, a queen and do something terrible. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, there's a little bit more hope in characters like Jackie and Thaisa. So that was a great question. Okay. That was fun. Awesome. Okay. So that has been yellow jackets. Unless you have anything else to add, Trey, that's all. This has been the extra credits podcast and we've been taking care of yellow jacket season one. I think we did a pretty good job getting into the depths of the hive here. We hope you never have to see the man with no eyes and please run if you if you do and thank you all for listening you can rate review and find other pods from us on most podcast platforms please throw us some stars on apple and spotify if you can and finally you can find us on instagram at extra credits pod and on twitter at the extra credits or email us we'd love your feedback extra credits pod at gmail.com we appreciate you this has been trey one of your citizen detectives awesome let us know what you think this is kelsey see ya peace bye Thank you.